version of the Lion King? Lion King 2019? Is it live live action? I'm not completely uh, we, sure. I think we can call it, yeah, it's not really, but we can call it that. It's another animation, but yeah. we can I think, I think the more I think the more appropriate term is photorealistic. Okay, yes, the photorealistic version of the Lion King 2019. Um, so tonight I'm joined by my usual crew of Gerald, Andrew and Mags. Say hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Okay. Um, yeah, and this is going to be a full spoilers podcast, although, to be honest, if you've seen the original Lion King, this is pretty much the same film, so I don't know if the spoilers warning is really that necessary, given that this is like a 25-year-old film in some ways, but yeah, okay, so we're just going to get straight into it. Um, just going to go around the table, as usual, with basically our sort of impressions of the film and whether we recommend this film or not. So I'm going to start off with Anager because I think Anager is probably the biggest Lion King fan out of the four of us. Yeah. Um, would that I probably be fair? Am. Okay. <laughs> okay, Anager, shoot. Um, look, I thought for sure I would be watching this film ten times, um, <laughs> nine times by myself once with Gerald. Um, I've only watched it once and I'm not going to watch it any more times than that. Um, the original still makes me cry. So I put the title sequence on literally about half an hour ago and there were tears streaming down my face. Like the original still gets to me and has so much soul and so much heart and is such a magical, beautiful story and it's told perfectly and the sequences, the choreography, um, it's all just perfect um, to create such a magical experience. Um, I can't believe that this new photorealistic version was in some ways so close to that original and yet, evoked no emotion whatsoever <laughs> in me. I can't believe that. Um, now, a lot of people have sort of come up with reasons why, and we can go into that when we're talking about it in more detail, but I will say, unfortunately, it was quite disappointing. Um, it was worth seeing just for this how spectacular the technology has become and how realistic and amazing that um, the, this animation is, but only for that reason, really. So, yeah, I'll move pass it on to Gerald. Do you want to go in next? Yeah, this was a um, not great movie. It was a bit blah from, from my perspective. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was there. It had all the trimmings and trappings of a very cynical cash grab on the part of Disney, having released the original and having transformed that original into the single most successful and highest grossing piece of entertainment ever, namely the stage musical. Um, why they felt the need to do this, I don't know. The, 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 perf- the original was perfectly fine as it was. This didn't have to be done except as a sort of proof of concept to demonstrate the extent to which the technology has evolved so that we can see, you know, for instance, digital fur, which is great, but you don't need a two-hour movie in order to demonstrate just how wonderful this technology is. For my part, if Disney was planning had to, to do a photorealistic version of, 
of the Lion King story. I would have much preferred a version in which there was no dialogue, there was no music, it's just completely photorealistic, like a BBC documentary <laughs> with a Richard Attenborough voiceover over it. Because as it is, this movie is both too similar to the original and not similar enough. So I think it's in that sort of no, halfway no man's land um, where uh, it, it just doesn't satisfy um, fans of the original and people coming to it who haven't seen the original will no doubt be impressed, but I think would step out of the cinema thinking, well, what was the fuss all about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Gerald, you should do your Richard Attenborough impersonation because it was really good. <laughs> no, uh, it was... No, oh, no, I Gerald. just looked at it one time. <laughs> You can't prompt him. He'll have to do it spontaneously <laughs> I know, later. I know. <laughs> Max. Um, look, I went in with no expectations. Um, I really um, enjoy, I have enjoyed and continue to enjoy all those sort of Disney cartoons and musicals. I went and saw the Lion King musical twice. Um, once when it first came here, and then um, last was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now. Um, again. So I really, really love the music. Um, and the cartoon was felt like a classic fairy tale to me, um, but with animals instead of people. Um, and so, for because of that love, I enjoyed the movie largely because it just mirrored the cartoon, just with more realistic um, animals. Um, there were parts of it that I thought were unnecessary, and it turned out after having a quick chat to Darren, who read up on it, um, that it were all, was all the new parts that I didn't like. <laughs> um, so I think it, yeah. I mean, if you if you love the musical and you love the the cartoon, then it, you know maybe a nice Saturday afternoon distraction, go and watch this movie. But I, I wouldn't be clamouring for people to watch it because it didn't really add anything new or additional to me to the cartoon. Yeah. Okay. I I would probably agree with. I think everybody's comments are pretty much consistent, right? And I think a cursory look of the internet also suggests that this is a pretty common thread, which is this new film cleaves so close to the original in many ways. I think a lot of the dialogue is just taken, like, wholesale, just lifted and just dumped into this movie. A lot of the shots um, are, are really close as well. Um, to the original movie and it doesn't really add a lot and in fact I think it actually takes away like simply because I do feel and we can talk about this a little bit later but I do feel the photorealistic approach I I don't know if it really works Um, I think Jerry's onto something when he says that um, like you kind of need to cleave one way or the other because you basically have a situation where really the story of the Lion King is quite a human story um, it's not mm. really an animal. I mean, the, the story of the Lion King is basically Hamlet mixed with like a little bit of Henry V or Henry IV. I can't remember exactly. I'm, I'm thinking about the one with Falstaff, etc. Because I kind of see Timon and Pumbaa as like a Falstaff style style character, while Simba is like a young Hal. But yeah, I mean, there is that sort of Shakespearean element to it, which is like quite human in some ways, right? So. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird watching photorealistic animals do that. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't really feel like it added anything significant. However, look, I haven't seen The Lion King in a long time, and it did kind of hit some nostalgia strings for me. Um, 
I remember when The Lion King first came out, I was super, like, excited to see it. It was, like, uh, it was, like, one of probably one of my favorite animation films when I was growing up. And The Lion King CD is probably the first CD I ever owned. So I must have listened to that CD, like, 200 times or something like that. So definitely, like, watching this film sort of tugged at some nostalgia nostalgia strings. And honestly, it reminded me how amazing the first film was, right? After I watched Mm. this film, I kind of wanted to go home and... I wished I had the DVD of the original animated version of The Lion King so I could put it on, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I guess that is the main positive I kind of got out of this film, which was, wow, it reminded me how amazing the original Lion King was. I guess if you've never seen The Lion King, I would I would probably say that as a standalone film, it's okay. Like, this, this movie is okay. There's nothing horrible with it, basically because it cleaves very close to the story of the 1994 version of The Lion King. But... Like, I, I honestly think the 1994 version is superior in every way, right? So, um, yeah, if you really desperately want to go to the cinema and watch something, it's a it's an okay film. It's a good film, I think, you know? Um, but, you know, if you want to save some money and put on the 1994 animated version instead on Netflix or whatever it is it's streaming on, then maybe you should do that, and it's probably a better experience. So. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's dig in. Let's dig into this, right? Asia, why did you think? What What did you think was inferior in this version to the original version? So a few things. First of all, the soundtrack. It's very similar, but it's not the same. It's obviously been adapted, and the adaptation just is not as good for me. So I also love the soundtrack. I listened to it every weekend for a year and a half while I was driving back and forth from Canberra. I find that music so powerful and beautiful and it's such an incredible score. So when it was changed, it seems to be changed to take some of the power away. Like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't create that same, like, you know, I, I can't breathe kind of feeling because this is so, like, you know, it's so strong. It's actually been dumbed down a little bit. And I've actually said a couple of times it feels a bit like the karaoke version. So um, some of the songs they've actually taken – a lot of the music out like um scars be prepared Prepared. yeah um yeah and beyonce's i love beyonce but i i just think this over singing of can you feel the love tonight just it just it's like i'm listening for beyonce rather than really kind of getting swept up in the in the the movie so i didn't love the music the animation it really was weird um you don't realize how much until you put back the original lion king back on again and in the original their facial expressions are so like loving and warm and like you know the huge smiles and those big eyes and they just create such um emotion and they convey so much in their faces and then of course with the with the photorealistic version it's nothing like there is there is almost no expressions on those faces so of course they can't um create the same emotion in us then if all we hear is the dialogue and not and we can't see the expressions on their faces um i feel like it's it's an interesting point you made about um this is too human a story for um to watch animals play it out but like you know we've seen things like planet of the apes and 
I don't know. Is is why is that different? Where that feels very like authentic, and um, you can really get right in on it. Is it because they're apes and they look so much like humans, and we just can't relate to lions or big cats um, having these human experiences? Maybe, um, uh, yeah, maybe. But I have to wonder if only they could get the facial expressions to be more emotive. I wonder if we could have gotten past some of those issues um i also didn't like so some of the characters were very true to the original so zazu pumba timon nala mufasa simba i think are very true to the original a couple of the characters are different so scar and um the monkey whose name i can't remember now what's what's rafiki rafiki right so um scar and rafiki are very different so rafiki's really eccentric in the cartoon in the original version and he's much more serious in this one he's much more of this like really kind of funny um mythical sort of creature uh, uh, sort of animal of um spirituality and you know he doesn't speak in straight ways and i i don't know i really liked that character and they've changed it and you can change things i that's fine but i just didn't love the change similarly scar is really camp in the original version but amazing like amazing Mm. um and this scar is just not as physically well the original scar is also not physically imposing this scar is not physically imposing but he just doesn't bring any great personality to the performance um so didn't love that and then the final thing i didn't love is the the new scenes um Sorry, no, look, the new scenes, actually, some of them were good. So I loved the interaction between Sarabi and Scar. That was new. I liked that. The flashback to when Mufasa dies was so not necessary <laughs> and so, so jarring. And, like, what do you have to stop? Yeah. We just saw that, like, an hour ago. You don't need to flashback to it. And we all know it because we've seen the original, right? We don't need to, we don't need to see that. And it looks really weird and cheesy and crappy. Um some scenes like the opening scene that that is the most magnificent part of the Lion King that is why I cry all the time in that opening sequence because it reminds me of everything that's going to come that this dad is going to lose his life trying to save his son and the son's going to blame himself for it and forever live with that like that opening scene triggers all of that in me because it's just so magnificent and awe-inspiring um I I just I can't breathe when that scene is going on um whereas in this new version it should have been so much better because it's so it could be so realistic but the way they shot it just wasn't as impressive you know and you yeah are are you talking about the pride rock scene when he brings the line up is that what you're talking about yes yes when all the animals when all the animals are going to the ceremony right yeah and they're all running there and then the camera pans onto pride rock um, and then he raises Simba up and all the animals, almost in like a, one of those waves, those Mexican yeah. waves, they just yeah. kind of come down. And they bow, that right? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, they bow. And like it just it's, it just makes me feel so much. And this new version, even though the animals were so realistic and it was like very impressive to see, just didn't have any of that heart to it. And the final thing I'm going to say is the scene that I just couldn't wait to see and they stuffed it up. And that's when Simba is about to fall off the ledge because he's confronted Scar and Scar is 
told everyone he's a mur- Simba's a murderer. Simba's fallen off the ledge. Scar's looking down on him, and Scar says, you know, this looks familiar, and then tells him that Scar was responsible when, for Mufasa's death. And I, I can't remember... I can't. I don't want to be a hundred percent about it, but I'm almost a hundred percent that in the original, um, what um, Simba does is he growls and he leaps, leaps towards Scar. And in this version, he just kind of tapped him on the face a little bit and then climbed up onto the ledge. I just thought, <laughs> what? What? Like that's a really powerful, impressive scene. Why have you changed that? So I feel like they changed certain things which were actually really, really amazing in the original. And why they did that when they stuck to the original script for so much of it, but then they changed bits which were actually really, really good. Um, I don't know. So that's, I guess, the summary of yeah. why I didn't think it was... I feel like... Look, I, I agree with all of those points, Andrew, and I feel that some of those, those points are actually a function of the fact that it's photorealistic, right? In a story which... Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, so, if you think about it, like the emotive nature of the animation, right? You can draw animals with huge eyes and, like, eyebrows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, specifically, like, if you look at the original Lion King, like, Nala looks distinctly feminine in a humanoid sort of way, right? And they do it because of Mm -hmm. the shape of her eyes, like she's got sort of feminine eyebrows and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just, you know, the way her face moves and stuff, there's like feminine features to it, right? (laughs) While when you do kind of photorealistic, you kind of can't do that. You don't have, like, because cats don't emote with their eyebrows (laughs) and their Mm -hmm. mouths the same way that humans do. So it's kind of like they chose that thing and then in like i think it's kind of, it's kind of like well given that you've chosen photorealism you can either go full david attenborough style and just basically not really have them talk and have this really weird sort of art housey style animal film or you could like or you need to make them kind of not look photorealistic and give them eyebrow expressions and that sort of thing, right? And they've kind of gone, oh, well, let's just kind of go in the middle somewhere, right? And as a mm-hmm. result, it's it's far less emotional, right? Like, I think, for example, the scene in that you're talking about when Simba lunges at Scar, in animation, mm-hmm. you can do that. You can exaggerate the motions, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think I was reading, like, something about Pixar and Disney. The way they animate, it's like everything is, is exaggerated, right? So that you get that impact on the screen. While when you're doing photorealistic, you don't really exaggerate those motions because it's kind of like... You, like, because if you do it in real life, it looks weird because that's not how real cats move. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't. I wonder if it's a. Fun- the other thing also is that from a directing perspective, right? Like with animation, you can do like tricks of camera tricks and that sort of thing that are probably not as jarring um, mm. in a sort of like you know tricks of perspective and that sort of thing that are probably not as jarring as in real life. So. I know what you're talking about in terms of that Pride Rock reveal, right? Because in the original mm. animation, it's kind of like it, Pride Rock kind of comes up onto the screen. There's this huge reveal, right? It's almost like the curtain goes up on Pride Rock because of the way mm. the camera kind of pans along, I think, the ground and then like it, it like and then up up the yeah. horizon sort of thing. While in this, it kind of just like comes into frame. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, it doesn't have that sense of the curtain rising, right? Um, yeah, and I think that's all, like, 
I wonder, I don't know if they could have done that from, like, with the photorealistic style. Uh, part of me feels that, like, it's kind of, like, linked to that sort of photorealistic, you don't want to be too, like, sort of grandiose mm. in the way you use your sort of, anim- like, animation flushes, uh, flourishes and that sort of thing in that sort of photorealistic style. So I genuinely feel that a lot of these issues basically are that they've chosen this... For whatever reason, Disney has decided that, like, the only way to remake these films is by adopting this, like, photorealistic style, and so, you like, these are kind of the limitations of it, yeah. I, I'm not saying that mm. it's good, and I completely agree with you that it makes an inf- makes for an inferior film. But, mm. uh, but I, you're I, it's a function of that Yeah, that it's, it's just a function style. of that. I mean, yeah. we can go into, like, cynically, I kind of feel like you know, why would you choose that if there is no artistic merit whatsoever, right? Mm. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that's that's kind of... Yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, the other thing was... Yeah, I, I also noticed that Be, Be Prepared felt abridged. Because I remember the original Be yeah. Prepared was a whole musical number, right? Like Yeah, if I, if it was I, abridged and almost spoken rather than sung, so, yeah. 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 Because Scar's character was a lot more... He felt more serious, I want to say. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Scar was, like, a lot more... He was... he As a villain, I kind of felt in the original animated film, he was a lot... He had character, right? Like, he was kind of a bit oh, smarmy so and, yeah. Um, it's hilarious. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. He kind of has, yeah. like, this sort of over-the-top Disney-esque Richard III feel about him a little bit, you know? Wasn't, wasn't there Jeremy Irons in the um, cartoon? Was it yeah, Jeremy Irons? Yeah, it was Irons? Jeremy Irons. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I love Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in this, they kind of played him as a much more straight-up... He didn't really have any sort of... He just wasn't as memorable, right? Like, he, he mm. wasn't played as, like, whether it was, like, he didn't camp it up or whatever, he was just, like, a sort of conniving villain with no particular characteristics, really. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, it was, yeah, he was just a bad guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, I agree. that I, I felt like that did the f- film a disservice. Yeah. Um, Jerry, Mags, did you guys feel... Like, uh, like, what other sort of aspects did you did you feel like the animated film was superior to to this version? I think there were just dumb choices made at various points throughout the movie. Um, before watching it, um, I had heard on the grapevine that "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" is sung during the daytime, and <laughs> once once that had been pointed out, and once I saw it, saw the movie, I couldn't I couldn't unsee that. It was just so dumb and it made no sense whatsoever that the song was completely at odds with what was playing out on screen so that was a that was a dumb and unnecessary decision and not at all a function of the photorealistic um feel that the that the makers of this movie were shooting for it was just stupidity and possibly negligence on their part that they set this musical number which makes reference to the night during the daytime i think also that there's something lacking in some of the voice performances in this version of The Lion King, I don't think Donald Glover really tried at all. Like, I think Adult Simba um, was a particularly un- unmemorable vocal performance from Donald Glover. And, <clears throat> you know, 
yes, it's true that Beyonce oversings um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight to such an extent that you can barely hear Donald Glover during that number. But he also just kind of phones it in. And why, why cast Beyonce in a role in which, let's face it, Nala doesn't actually have that much to do in the story. She leaves Pride Rock, runs into Simba, tries to get him to come along back to Pride Rock, and that's more or less her entire role in the movie. They cast her, obviously, for the bragging rights and for the marketing uh, push that, or the marketing boost that her name would give the movie. But the fact of the matter is... Um, I think it, it detracts from the film because she's so obviously overseeing that particular that one song and um, and the rest of and she doesn't add very much to the rest of the the rest of the film. Um, she also, didn't add a whole and new I think, song. But. Well, yeah, yeah but, it was but only, that song was... only played, only played <laughs> a segment, and it was a crap song. I know, I, I know a lot of people. Of, the internet has actually said this is a good song. I beg to differ. It's a crap song. It's, it doesn't hold a candle to any of the original tunes. Absolutely. The other like, thing... Yeah, I, I remember... I was watching this thing, and I was like, I don't remember this song in the original. <laughs> and, and all the other songs were like, man, these songs are amazing. And then this song... it was They play it when... It's a bit blah. Yeah, and they were just... They did it when they were... It, was that the song when they were transitioning from the... From like the oasis or whatever it is, back to yeah. through yeah. the desert. Back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just so blah. I was like, I don't remember this. Like, I can literally all of the songs in the Lion King, you can basically sing by heart, right? And this mm-hmm. song is just like, eh, I, I don't, and, I don't even remember what it sounds like. <laughs> and one one other thing that I think is a dumb decision is why why don't they have Mufasa's face in the clouds? In that particularly dramatic moment, yeah, because it's the photorealistic thing. He's he's confronting himself and confronting his father's memory and trying to reconcile the two in order to explain who he is and what his destiny is. I mean, in the stage version, particularly, the reveal of Mufasa in the sky is spectacular. Yeah, It it is the stage version. I don't know how they do it, but. I remember sitting in the cinema, sitting in the theatre, saying, "I don't know how they're going to pull this off." And the way they pull it off is so clever, so spectacular, and so visually beautiful. And this is just nothing. There's just nothing. There's just clouds, and and the, the clouds don't resolve into the shape of a face. They they, they might do for a fraction of a second, but there's just there's just James Earl Jones's voice, and and you're like, what? That's that's it. Um, so that was that was really really disappointing, and it, it took all the power out of the pivotal scene for the movie. So I think there were a lot of I think a lot of the mistakes made in this rendition of the story can be attributed to the attempt to make um, the visuals as photorealistic as possible. But that was allied to a couple of pretty dumb narrative choices made. Um, at crucial points in the movie, all of which combined together um, added up to a vastly inferior experience than the original and certainly than the, than the stage musical, which for my money is prob- uh, from my perspective, the stage musical is probably the best version of the Don't. story I've seen. <laughs> but I know, there, I, know, I, know that's a, I know that's a controversial statement and we don't need to wait until the reporters, but... Um, 
I just think this is uh, this this falls short of both the stage musical and the original by a significant distance. Mm-hmm. Mags, did you did you feel like what did you feel like they added that was um, not as good as the original, or did you feel like you, they added anything that was actually better? <laughs> uh, I'm I was just thinking about what my fa- my most favorite scene was. Um, I. I actually quite liked um, the scene where Mufasa says that this is after um, he rescues Nala and Simba from the hyenas the first time around. And he um, there's that scene which they mirror, I believe, from the cartoon where he's teaching Simba a lesson and they're looking up at the stars and he's talking about... Um, you know, the kings, the stars of the kings of the past looking down on you. And then mm-hmm. they kind of frolic in the setting sun. I thought they did that quite well. Yeah, they did. That, mm. Yeah, that was, that was a... One that of was the, moving. Exactly. Um, one of those scenes where they were able to capture that raw emotion that makes the um, cartoon um, so memorable. Um, but then you contrast that to... Like, I love... Um, the part in the cartoon where he meets, um, oh god, the warthog and the meerkat. Yeah, yeah, Timon and Pumbaa. Like, I love those two guys, and I love Hakuna Matata, and I think that they're hilarious. Um, I don't know. They did something with the dialogue between the two of them, which made it made their friendship um, feel a lot more superficial, um, because that's sort of the to me, that's such a joyful part of the experience when you, you know, it's like Simba and his adolescence and he's like a single guy and he's got his, like, man posse, which, you know, so happens to be a warthog <laughs> and a meerkat. Um, and, yeah. You know, I agree with that, Max, and I actually think the reason for that is because in the cartoon... Like, when they sing Hakuna Matata and you watch Simba grow up, they're dancing. They're actually, yeah. they're dancing animals, mm. right? You can't do that in photorealistic, but you see how joyful they are because they're dancing and they've got huge smiles on their faces. Uh, do you know mm. what I mean? They're like frolicking, right? Well, in this, yeah. it's like, Simba's expression doesn't really change. Well, I mean, this is the <laughs> no, nature of photorealistic. It doesn't change, no. it doesn't change his expression, right? Like a lion, so, went, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, because of that, it relies so much more on the voice actors having really, really emotive performances. It really relies on that voice communicating the message really strongly. And I, I don't know whether or not they were really able to do that. Um, I mean, I, I really like Seth, Seth Rogen, who is the warthog, and I'm not sure who was the meerkat. Um, Billy Eichner. Oh, okay. Has Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they, I think they updated a lot of the dialogue for Timon and Pumbaa. Apparently, they just let them ad lib, right? Which is what they do with comedians nowadays. But yeah, like I, I genuinely look. I agree with you that I did not feel like the relationship between Simba and Timon and Pumbaa was as strong as in the cartoon. Um, I feel like honestly that was another another result of the photorealism, basically not because like animals don't show joy in real life in the same way that they show joy in a sort of animated Disney cartoon, right? So 
other the other thing that I um, thought they overextended was the um, fight scene at the end on Pride Rock between the hyenas and the lionesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really thought that 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 was really yeah awesome. yeah it was too long. The whole movie was too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really bizarre that you have a movie that was, I think, originally 88 minutes or some, mm-hmm. somewhere along those lines. And this new movie is 118 minutes. So it adds like, you know, almost half an hour onto the running time. But it literally adds nothing to the film. Like, mm-hmm. they added. It takes a... away crucial. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you add more time, but you actually have less of a film, right? I think it says something about, like, succinctness and, like, like, sort of really like milking your scenes for what they were so instead they added like a super long fight scene and then you know the the tuft of fur thing that was this super long extended scene where this tuft of fur i know i was like what is going on (laughs) get on with it already Yeah. yeah yeah it was it was quite bizarre okay well okay i kind of wanted to finish up by asking the question i don't know have you guys seen any of the other disney live action remakes or not yeah <laughs> have you have you seen all of them manager <laughs> i think i've seen most of them okay so okay, we're, so, we're up to so there was the jungle book i think was the first one we've seen that yeah um there was beauty and the beast i want to say yes aladdin yep. and this yep. was there another one yep. in there somewhere Dumbo. <clears throat> Dumbo and Cinderella. Dumbo, Dumbo. Oh, I have, yeah, haven't seen Dumbo. Yeah. Cinderella? Which one was... Is that they haven't done that yet, but... Cinderella was, was oh, Richard Madden. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Cinderella. I've seen Cinderella. Oh, yeah. yeah, seen that. Okay. And now there's Mulan coming out. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So, <laughs> do you feel like any of the live-action ones were better than their animated counterparts? That's a really tough one. In many ways, I think... They, I think all of them were better than the animation in many ways, but not as good in others. So it's a mixed bag. Whereas for Lion King, I really can't say it was better in any way, mm. other than that it was impressive technology. Yeah. Mm. I felt like the Cinderella live action, because I've seen the Cinderella live action, and that felt like a markedly different film. It did feel like a much more modern version of mm. Cinderella. Um, I don't know about I haven't seen a lot, but... Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to drive at here is that... Uh, Aladdin has a lot going for it, guys, actually. It's, it's quite good. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anager is the only person on the planet who said that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's more feminist than the original. And the original's pretty feminist, so I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think about this trend of Disney updating all of their classic animated films? I, I, I'll come out and I, I, I'm really cynical about it. I feel like these are just blatant cash grabs, a lot of them. And I feel like a lot of, like Disney as a brand was built on the beauty of their animation. And a lot of those films are like timeless, beautifully animated films. And I kind of feel like if you want to make a new, like a live action film, why do you have to like base it so heavily on your existing material why can you not like just make a new film right make a new it doesn't have to be beauty and the beast it can be like another sort of romantic film right but just make a new film like have the courage to expand beyond your existing franchise um 
your existing franchises so, in like, properties. You want to go? I, I like seeing these old cartoons that I loved so much um, to be turned into these live-action movies because, like, most of them have brought something new to the story and mm. um, it's kind of – I guess I liked it the first time, so I enjoy being able to watch it again in a different version with people acting it out and – for the most part, I have enjoyed it. I think Mulan's going to do it the best because I think they are going to veer away from, you know, the cartoon quite significantly and the trailer looks amazing. Um, so for the most part, I've actually enjoyed it. I don't care that it's a cash grab as long as they don't waste my time and make me feel bored. And unfortunately, that's what The Lion King did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry, do you, do you, are you cynical about this, or do you think there's like there's value in this retreading? So far, it's been a complete cash grab, and um, there's nothing redemptive about the exercise, not in the slightest. I mean, Disney already has its hands in the biggest streams of revenue in the in the movie business, um, owning Star Wars, owning the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and having access to its complete back library of classic animated films. Why it feels the need to do this is entirely beyond me. But when I say, and when I say that, I mean it, these films do not seem to have any artistic justification for their existence. This seems to me to be an exercise in the most tawdry and grubby um, com- uh, commercial exploitation that, that I've seen in, in, a movie, in movies in a long time. I mean... Um, you know, it, it, things might be different if they they brought a team of people with a refreshing new perspective on these stories. But <clears throat> John Favreau is just not that guy. John Favreau directed um, the Jungle Book and the Lion King, and when he's when he's dealing with his own material, <clears throat> he he does some good work. So, you know, he wrote Swingers in the mid '90s, which is an excellent film, Doug Liman's debut movie, and he's made the odd good movie since then, not least of which is Iron Man. But I don't think he's the person with enough vision and enough originality to bring to these movies a distinctive personality. And so the overwhelming impression one gets from watching his addition to these live-action Disney remakes is, why are we here? Why are we doing this? So I, I... I haven't been impressed by the renditions we've seen so far. Um, I am hopeful that things will change with Mulan, particularly because um, we are told, far from being an adaptation of the original movie, it's going to be <coughs> that movie is going to be an adaptation of the original folk tale. And if they do that, dispensing with the music, dispensing with Mushu, then um, and all the have, music, yeah, one could have yeah. a really spectacular film. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be different because Mulan was not did not feel like a history film in the cartoon version, right? But if it's going to be like a well, it's never going to be a history history film, but like it's going to be more realistic and sort of yeah, I, I think that's I, I can I can see that potentially with Mulan. I, I guess my issue with a lot of this Disney stuff is that like we're basically in the era where Hollywood just retreads old territory, right? Like, every second film that comes out is like a reboot, like a soft reboot, or like a prequel, or something like that of an existing franchise. And I guess, look, it's been like this for a little while now, and 
I really feel like there is a lack of courage in in Hollywood when it comes to making these sorts of films. Um, and while I can understand it from a commercial perspective, because you invest a lot of money into these into these big budget like tentpole films, um, and you know if you're an investor. Because movie making now, it's just like any other business, right? It's an investment with a certain return. If you're an investor with a return, you want to minimize risk, right? So one of your Mm. risk mitigation tools is use an existing franchise with an existing fan base, which means your revenue projections are less variable because you can bank on like, you know, 90% of that fan base going to see that film, right? And I'm sure The Lion King is going to make money as a result of that, right? But... You know, there's a part of me that likes creative cinema, right? And not just when I say that, I don't mean like art house stuff, right? Which is just, you know, there's there's a balance. I mean, art house stuff sometimes is good, but sometimes it's just very self indulgent and very like sort mm-hmm. of highbrow, right? I think yeah. there is a mid ground of fun, creative, accessible films that are not being made in original ways anymore. There are, like, so few original properties that come through. And, you know, like, in some ways, it's it does happen on TV because, you know, you have stuff like Stranger Things, which is completely new property, right, which came out, came out on Netflix, which is great, and we really enjoy watching that. But, like, you know, I, I really wish that films would, like... I remember back in the... And look, maybe it's just my nostalgia, right? But I remember back in the 80s and 90s, I felt like people were more... Um, courageous when it came to these sorts of more accessible mainstream films and we're in the era where basically you know like what are the big films get getting announced now like they're just basically reboots I mean I think about you know there's like Terminator Dark Fate did we need another Terminator film like anyway this is mm. this is kind of like me ranting on a soapbox so no I think I get the point you're right like why not do something original and leave the the classics well alone yeah yeah especially since The Lion King was like I think I agree with you Anja that I I feel like The Lion King was like a really very close to perfect film in some ways right like Mm, it's really mm, like totally yeah um, yeah anyway well Look, I, I guess a positive message out of this is that the original Lion King absolutely still exists, and everybody can watch it, and it's probably been remastered, so the animation probably looks crisper than it did back in the day, so that's still there, and anyone can go and watch that. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go do that. <laughs> the Lion King is a great film, but you should watch the animated version. I think that's the general message. Would we all agree with take that? take home. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Mags, is there anything else? Don't forget the stage musical. It's really good. Sorry, Jerry, I missed that completely. Don't forget the stage musical. Oh, yes, of course. Mags, is there anything else you'd like to add as well? No. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks very much for joining us tonight, everyone, everybody. Um, yeah. I'm really sad everyone's missed out on Gerald's David Attenborough rendition of when Simba thinks he's killed his father and runs away. That was really good. Jerry, <laughs> do you want to take us out on that? 
Can, can you do it on no, demand? Or? No, I, no I don't, Gerald. Well, first, first of all, first of all, I've got a very sore throat, so it's just going to be it's just going to be horrible. I'll, I'll, I'll spare I'll spare our loyal listeners that 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 pain. Okay, people people will have to listen to our further episodes because That's one right. day we'll get Gerald to do it when he That's least right. expects it. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.